Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Recorded live. All right. Good evening, everybody. It's Tuesday, March 29, 2016, and we have a very special call tonight with a very special guest. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, I want you guys, when uh, our guest Winston Shrout has finished speaking tonight, we're about to wrap up the call. Stick around for a little bit. i got a brief little announcement for you. So if you do that, we'd appreciate it. So, um, Winston, hey, welcome to the call. How you doing? Just like usual. <laughs> well, we're we're glad to hear your voice. Uh, apparently, you've made the news recently. Um, apparently, there's stories about some indictments and things going around saying that you were arrested and everything. So maybe we start off with that, and you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, maybe cleaning up clearing up the facts and telling us what's going on and how you plan to come out of this shining. Well, uh, I don't think I want to tell the full story yet. Okay. There's some things in the background that I've been working on, and I had to uh, basically uh, encourage and attack. Uh, a, lot, a lot of your listeners don't know my history, but I have... Uh, worked in the international with the Office of International Treasury Control. And so uh, based on that, I have international immunity under treaty with the United Nations. And so it, it was a key thing uh, to uh, instigate or whatever, practically had to beg for it. But in, in any event, uh, there were certain background things that I needed to accomplish, and I needed to get them done in a big hurry. Uh, one of them, uh, probably some of your listeners might know, others might not know, but the IRS itself uh, uh, came on shore as a Delaware corporation back in 1934-35, and they were immediately purchased by an attorney firm and then they disincorporated the Delaware Corporation. Eventually what happened, uh, the IRS ended up uh, in a in a holding company known as Northern Trust Company. Okay. Uh, Northern Trust Company also owns the Bar Association. A lot of times you hear people say that the uh, IRS and the Bar is the same entity, and basically for all intents and purposes it is. Well, in any event, uh, what I needed to do was deal with a Northern Trust. I had to have some reason to go after them, and so the DOJ provided me that opportunity. Okay. Uh, there's certain, uh, you know, hopefully your audience understands that we're in for a major change in government here. Actually, the government has already changed. They just haven't announced it. But anyway, I was kind of under the gun 
to get all that accomplished uh, before the end of the fiscal year. So there were certain administrative processes that I did, which would which would include a commercial lien, and it had to be turned over to certain parties. Uh, and so I, I accomplished that uh, as of uh, December the 28th. Uh, prior to the uh, how shall I say takeover by this new uh, interim government. So the indictments themselves. Uh, first off, uh, you, know, you can bring all the indictments you want, but you'll have to make good on them, and they can't make good on them. Uh, the most recent thing I've done, or I've, I have done, I've gotten them into a contract using uh, what's known as plea in bar. Some of you listeners might understand plea in bar. Anyway, so I, uh, last Friday, I put in the plea in bar, which included the demand for a written bill of particulars, <clears throat> which if they default on, and they will, huh. put them into a, a no-win situation. And so I uh, have a hearing on, uh, uh, I have an arraignment on the superseding indictment coming up on Thursday. So I put the uh, plea in bar, I went and filed the plea in bar on Friday, along with the demand for written bill of particulars. And then uh, going with Regulation Z, three days truth lending, blah, 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 T plus uh, 72 hours. Come Thursday morning, I will have locked them into a contract. So, uh, you know, that aside, uh, you know, first off, uh, the way things are moving on the planet uh, with the changes and so forth, uh, I think this whole thing, the information I'm getting from, uh, how shall I say, the star people or the people on the other side, is that all, this whole thing would be wrapped up uh, very close to May the 1st anyway. And so it's... Uh, uh, things are good. Put it that way. So are you saying that this whole thing was really just a setup? <laughs> exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> so we don't have to be worried about you then? Uh, people should worry about themselves. <laughs> okay. No, this... Uh, uh, certainly people that know my history know that I've worked in the international uh, because of uh, certain abilities, capacities, uh, you know, and uh, things that, that I have demonstrated. That's why I was given this assignment out of the international to accomplish these things. And uh, a lot of people don't know that we, uh, well, certainly your listeners should know that uh, Keith Scott and I, uh, Keith being another official, he's actually the chief of the cabinet in the OITC, the Office of International Treasury Control, and also as the settler on the Sukarno Trust, we got together back in 2012 and put that huge commercial lien in against the Federal Reserve Banks, uh-huh. which, prevent, which prevented them from rechartering. So they had to be melded into 
the U.S. Treasury, because uh, you know the, the Federal Reserve Banks are simply uh, private central banks, uh, which has caused havoc all over the planet. Oh, yeah. A lot of people know that. I mean, for instance, way back in the days of Goldwater, and certainly of Ron Paul and several others have been, you know, uh, trying to push for an audit. And, of course, you can't audit them. Uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, what they wanted to do, um, in essence, uh, Keith and I accomplished that. So we have uh, uh, a lot of interesting things going on. Uh, this is a continuation of some of that. Uh, the uh, changes in government certainly, uh, you know, precipitate. Uh, I always work from the back, the back, what we call the background. Uh, Keith and I always do that. Okay. And that is we simply don't uh, step to the front and all those kind of things. But in any event, uh, what uh, what has been done, to rectify some of the problems with the financials on the planet. Uh, for instance, uh, I don't know, it was about, it seemed like it was about 2011 or something like that. Uh, Keith and I had worked on a uh, treatise, or what you would call a white paper. Uh, the purpose of which was to inform the financial ministers uh, of the problems uh, with the uh, Central banks, and so uh, so we created that uh, treatise, and we sent it around uh, to the various financial ministers in Europe. Uh, uh, Michael Noonan, the financial minister uh, in Ireland, took it to heart, so he challenged the uh, banks on this basis, uh, which was simply, if you can prove you loaned us any money, we're glad to repay you. If you can't prove that you loaned us any money, basically go pound sand. Right. And held to it. it. We had that same thing going on with Greece, and uh, they handed it off by making sure the the guy who would uh, do that uh, was not elected. If uh, I forgot his name now, I can't even pronounce both Greek names anyway. But in any event, if uh, if, uh, if the right guy had got elected. Uh, in Greece, uh, they would have done the same thing. So, uh, you know, in the background, uh, we try to, uh, how shall I say, inform the international community of some of the uh, problems, uh, you know, that they run into. And, uh, you know, in some respects, we've had a good effect. In other, other, you know, other respects, you know, we haven't done so well. But in any event, as we move forward, uh, into this uh, new paradigm, this new government, so forth, then uh, there were certain things that I felt like that needed to be accomplished. And so well, that's what I did. Wow. So we don't have to be too worried about you. you got everything under control then. No, people should worry about themselves. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, an informed public is the best uh, defense, if I can use that word, against tyranny. Well, yeah. Well, we've known that for a long time, certainly. Unfortunately. 
Well, unfortunately, we don't have an informed populace. We have a dumbed down, distracted, watch my football populace. Uh, in some respects, that's the case, but not in every respect. We have a lot of informed people. Certainly, I would hope the people on this call would be well informed. Well, yeah, on this call they are. Yeah, so uh, again, uh, we just uh, try to get everybody up to speed as far as possible uh, to help them in their efforts and so forth. And so uh, I think we've had a good a good impact on that. Uh, you know, I, I'm not the I'm not the judge of people and what their intentions and so forth are, but all indications to me indicate that uh, people are becoming more aware and waking up. So that's a good thing. Yeah, it is. It's just for me it's so frustrating to hear those those dummies that think they're so smart because they don't believe in conspiracy theories. They're just too smart not knowing that they have been programmed to say that. Well, let's let's not be too critical. Uh from the from the time that people enter the public education system, uh they're highly controlled, and it's very hard to break through that, you know, certainly as anybody that's, uh, you know, been through that system knows. I mean, I went through 16 years of uh, formal education, came out of college and said, what was that all about, and went went my way. But in any event, uh, I would think that uh, we ought not be super critical, certainly, of uh, people because of the circumstance that they found themselves in. Well, you know, it's like the people on this call, that's one thing. But when I go out into the world with average people out there who don't know, it's and for me it's just second nature, all this stuff. It's just part of who I am now. And then when I, you know, let it slip and, you know, just get a bunch of garbage from people who, haven't really, you know, had an original thought in their life. Well, okay, but again, uh, you don't know what precipitated that situation in their life. Sure, you have to be sure. careful not to, you know, castigate people for what they don't have. And so uh, certainly for those of us who are enlightened, then we should uh, bring those things to their attention. And we have, like I say, I've been working as a Solutions in Commerce now for over... Uh, over 11 years. Wow. I've seen, I've seen a remarkable upturn uh, in the uh, consciousness of the people. So, uh, again, we have to be real careful. Okay. About uh, how we address some of the situations that people have to deal with. You know, you know, the old saying is, you know, but for the grace of God, go I. But we have to be very careful that we don't, you know. Uh, okay, well. Point too many fingers. I, I understand. I understand. It's just that, you know, I bump into people sometimes and it gets unpleasant and it's frustrating. That's all. And then just walk away and go do something else. Yeah. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, that's great to hear that uh, you're really not in as bad a trouble as the papers make it sound. Do you believe what you read in the papers? No, but a lot of people do. Oh, if I do. if I were to believe what the papers say, you're the hundred trillion dollar man. Well, that's nowhere close to it. 
All right, let me let me back up and tell you some of the things uh, that that we did uh, back in 2010 when I got that appointment. Okay. From from Dr. Ray C. Dam, uh, I said he said I want you to be uh, OITC in the United States. He said I'll notify all the parties of that appointment, which was probably a bad thing to do. Uh, on the basis, just as soon as he made that report, then the first thing you know, uh, they're trying to they're trying to kill him. Ooh. And they almost did. Uh, they tried to poison him to death. He recovered. Eventually, he was taken in by the king of Thailand under his complete protection, so nobody can touch him at this point. But in any event, uh, he sent me on that mission, so the first thing I did when I got back, I contacted some of the people that I had been working with. And uh, what was anticipated uh, was that we would get into a, a bank trading program, which we did. I wrote the instrument. Some of these instruments these guys are squawking about now. Anyway, I wrote the instrument. Uh, there was a gentleman that was able to get those things into a trade program in uh, HSBC Hong Kong. Then one of the other of our group, he uh, had good contacts, and so he went around and contacted all of the uh, secondary mortgage paper holders okay. uh, on this basis that uh, uh, well, he made an arrangement with them that, that they would they would sell their paper to us, uh, and most of them were willing to sell it for something like like uh, you know twenty five or thirty cents on the dollar. And so we went into this trade to obtain the funds to buy all that secondary mortgage paper, and had we been able to do that, we could have shut down all the foreclosures. Now, uh, the problem was with the HSBC Hong Kong, in as much as they decided they simply would not pay us on the trade. Because after it came into our program right up front, and then we got with another organization uh, who said they could, uh, but they lied too. I mean, when you get involved in the international with some of these people, first off, uh, the order of the day is let's go tell a lie to whoever will believe it. So we had that problem, uh, you know, right from the get-go. And had we been able to accomplish, you know, what we had intended to do, then we could have, in fact, uh, put an end to the uh, uh, mortgage problem, because that's what Dr. Dam has sent me to do. He said, get over there, he said, and fix that uh, mortgage problem. He says, he says, we're embarrassed. He said, OITC is embarrassed on the basis that we underwrite all of those mortgages. And he was highly inflamed about how it was being uh, handled. He said, get over there and see if you can't get that problem fixed. And so that's why I had originally actually got involved in the uh, uh, trade was to, to create the funds necessary to uh, solve that problem. So there's a reason why I do things. Uh, I don't do things for fun. <laughs> Believe me, i got better things to do than screw around with all this stuff. But in any event, uh, uh, you know, on that basis then, uh, we had uh, attempted to get those uh, trades operating, uh, again, not because of something that we wanted, 
purpose, on the purpose to resolve some of these problems that have been created uh, by these uh, predatory lending banks. Yeah. So, uh, uh, it's, you know, you know, it's not an easy road, not an easy road to hoe sometimes. And so, uh, like I say, if HSBC had it paid off properly, we know the trade went through because uh, uh, the, uh, the UN got $76 trillion out of that trade. And so we know it went through. And uh, we should have gotten out of that trade. We should have got certainly sufficient that we could have retired all of that uh, mortgage deposit. So, you know, those are the kind of things that I work at. Uh, and, uh, of course, it infuriates the power of the bee when somebody steps forward and says, hey, we've got to correct this problem. So, uh, but in any event, uh, you know, this is probably something that your average uh, guy wouldn't want to attempt for obvious reasons. Right. Uh, and so, uh, you know, which is not a criticism of anybody. I'm just saying that, you know, some of these things are very difficult to not be attempted by amateurs. Uh, truth be known, uh, I'm the only, well, I'm certainly authorized uh, to uh, issue a bill of exchange. <laughs> Probably the only guy on the planet that is. But in any event, so the Treasury, the DOJ, they take exception to that and say, let's go get with it. And I said, okay, come on. <laughs> but this is part of the takedown of the uh, corporate government. Uh, as you know, uh, the United States has been run by the United States Incorporated, yeah. simply a maritime corporation out of uh, Puerto Rico. And uh, Bill Clinton said, hey, I'm the last United States president, and that's the only time I, that boy ever told the truth that I know about. <laughs> because it was. It, the bankruptcy of the United States of America was over with in 1999. So Bill was telling the truth about that, and, you know, whether he knew it or not, what the reason for it was or not, uh, he did tell the truth on that occasion, so we'll take him, we'll give him uh, credit for that. I'm the last, I'm the last president of the United States, hey, sweetheart, what's your name? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of pretty much how he operates. <laughs> but in any event, uh, Maybe we can go on and talk about some other things that might be of interest. Okay. Well, originally, um, I saw the video that you did. I forget who it was that put it on, but you talked a little bit about common law and commercial law, and your take on it was that you know people are saying they always want common law, but they never. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You said that common law deals with the past. Uh, commercial law deals with the future, and you know a lot of us have been saying, well, we want uh, common law, but then you brought up this uh, point of, well, how do you deal with dangerous situations, such as a guy stockpiling explosives in his garage right next door to your house? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of bad so, right. so maybe you could go over more on that subject about the difference between commercial law and common law and maybe an ideal the ideal way that we can operate so that we can um all right yeah let me have our freedoms me, but address issues yeah let me run that down for you okay there's what is known as universal law and that's god's law 
and it's best exemplified certainly uh, in natural law, mother nature, and uh, you know how things actually run, the consequences of violating natural law. So uh, my comment uh, was directed at the uh, problems that are created uh, when we uh, go into common law. Now, people don't know what common law is, perhaps, but every country, every people has their own common law based on history, precedence, and usage. All right? So, uh, for instance, uh, when the United States uh, was contemplating which common law they would adopt, most of the founding fathers, being Englishmen, decided that they would use English common law. However, we had a huge German population living uh, on the continent at that time, so they could have just as well used Anglo-Saxon common law rather than English common law. Okay, but they settled on the English common law, and uh, which is <laughs> which is uh, uh, kind of in my estimation, that, that was the wrong choice. We should have developed our own common law based, because, again, we were starting a new nation. We had the Declaration of Independence. Uh, we had the Constitution and so forth. Uh-huh. Why should we go to the English common law? Uh, if you look at the history of England, it's nothing but a complete screw-up. So why, <laughs> why would we want to repeat that mess? But in any event, uh, they decided on English common law, and the consequence of it was uh, what we uh, what we had or what we have. Uh, and but let me observe this uh, one thing, and that is just because you use the words common law, it, it does not indicate uh, by any stretch of the imagination that you are actually operating with natural uh, uh, or universal law. And so, if you know, for instance, if you go back to the uh, original use of common law and the way it was perceived of under the Constitution and so forth, only white landowners could vote, right? Uh, No women, no Africans, and no Indians could participate in the election process. Now, that's very, very one-sided, of course. Right now we think we've gotten past that. Uh, huh. you know, I, have to, I kind of have to scratch my head a little bit before I'd agree to that. You have now everybody in the world can vote in our elections. What I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> so we have uh, some of these difficulties, uh, you know, associated uh, with uh, what we call the common law, and I keep I keep hearing people, you know, uh, counting that we need to return to a common law. And so my question is, which common law do you want to return to? Because you might find that uh, your your version of common law might, in fact, be a direct affront to natural law. So anyway, uh, people uh, need to study that thought process out and, and do it. Now, the question is, And a good comparison would be to see whether or not uh, our version of the common law conforms to the King James Version of the Bible. 
question. You'll probably find out that in many instances it does not. However, if you will go and investigate the uh, commercial maxims or the maxims of commercial law, you will find that the commercial maxims comply exactly with the concepts, principles, and so forth that are contained in King James. So, uh, my preference, uh, you know, call me greedy or whatever, but anyway, my preference for for a law system is, in fact, commercial law. That kind of makes sense. Hmm. Okay. Um, would that include traffic tickets? Oh, that's, traffic tickets ain't got anything to do with law. That's all just code stuff. Okay. Uh, would that have to do with prosecutors prosecuting innocent people over code violations? Well, certainly it does, but we don't need to get into the particulars of all that. Okay. Enough said. It's an, it's sufficient to say that the uh, uh, codes and statutes and so forth uh, are are illegal. Now, the final that have studied, uh, you certainly should be aware that the only thing that obligates people are the statutes at large, which are published, which are properly enacted and published so that everybody can see them. Okay. But when you get into all these statutes and codes and so forth, you're talking about, uh, in essence, uh, a whole potpourri of, of illegal action because uh, there's nothing within the statutes and codes that obligates anyone. So, in, in your conversation there about uh, traffic tickets and all that kind of stuff, that's, that's just all foolish. It's not even worth talking about. <laughs> well, I know what you do when you get traffic tickets. It's funny. <laughs> I, I don't recommend people do what I do. Everybody, <laughs> everybody needs to uh, stand on their own. Every cup's got to stand on its own bottom. And so, uh, you know, people have to, you know, get in sync with what uh, with what they feel like. So All right. people come ask me about you know about this or that. I say, well, you know, you know, what do you understand? You know, what's your understanding of these things, and what are you going to do about it? I certainly I can provide information that might be useful, but I'm not going to dictate to anybody what they ought to do. So, so you know, we, we, that's why sure. we put together education so that people can uh, have an idea you know, of how to conduct their lives and so forth, and then move forward on their own. Uh, You know, people do not need to rely upon Winston or upon Ed or upon anybody. You need to stand on your own because you're convinced that the course you're taking in regards to a certain matter is the correct course to take. And so uh, that's why we do education is so that people can stand on their own. We're, we're involved in empowering people. You know, people. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, you know, we want to be free." Okay, uh, but there's a cost. I mean, there's a certain amount of responsibility that comes with uh, being what, what we basically call free people. And so, uh, you know, I hear people run around. You know, I'm free. I'm sovereign. All these kind of things. And I keep saying, "Really." <laughs> 
You are, huh? Reach in your pocket there and see if you have any Federal Reserve notes. Right. So, Winston, are you are you available now to take questions? Well, that's what some people want. Like I say, it's your call. You tell me what sure. you want. All right. Well, if anybody has questions for Winston, hit star eight on your phone. <clears throat> uh, somebody. Oh my gosh. Somebody says, "What was the real agenda of the Pope's tour to America last fall?" I heard he transferred trusteeship to the UN. Uh, I wasn't privy to all those meetings, but I, there are certain things that came from it that are obvious. Uh, number one, uh, prior to his coming, you'll notice that they disincorporated Washington, D.C. I didn't know that. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, it was in the newspaper. <laughs> okay. Uh, the only reason it actually got in the newspaper was because uh, a portion of that 10 square miles uh, actually was a part of Maryland. And so uh, Virginia was trying to claim all of it. And the, the people there in uh, uh, Maryland said, the heck, the heck you are. I mean, <laughs> we're the ones that gave that portion over there and we're keeping it. You know, So it got into a land squabble. And okay. So once it got into, into that squabble, then pretty soon it hit the newspapers. If it hadn't been for that squabble, it probably never would have uh, come up. Wow. And another, and another thing that was was a result, I, like I say, I, I wasn't privy to the meetings. I don't know what was said behind closed doors, or all the purposes and so forth that was uh, being addressed in that situation. But you will notice that just as soon as Francis got back to the Vatican, he fired. Uh, I think five or six, five or six. Uh, I think it was five. He 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 fired five of the cardinals out of Vatican Bank because they'd been involved in laundering drug, uh, drug money. And I don't think Francis thought that was such a cool idea. So so we do see uh, some results of it. Like I say, I you know, I, I can't really re, uh, address all of the things that may have come from that, because I simply don't know, but it's pretty obvious that uh, yeah. there, there were results that came from that. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, this concept of universal jubilee, some of those things were addressed at that time. Uh, and some of those things, uh, hopefully they'll carry through with it. But that's yet to be seen. We'll see what comes of it. All right. Well, hey, listen, we've got a bunch of people that have raised their hand that want to talk to you. All right. Well, you're the moderator. You get to do the choosing. <laughs> All right. We're going to go to Central California with their phone unmutes. It's your turn. Hello. I think that's me. Um, yes. I just wonder how the not guilty plea got entered on Winston's behalf. And and how did you allow that, and is that part of your game plan? No, uh, when I first went in, I tried I tried to plead guilty in magistrate court, and they threw a fit. <laughs> I said, okay, just go ahead and do whatever you want to, because by that time, by that time, I had already filed papers in, into that case appointing the judge as the fiduciary trustee for the defendant. Mm-hmm. So. So, so at that point, uh, the judge was entering the plea for the defendant, and I had nothing to do with it. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you. That technology. Yeah. All right, so now we go to Oregon. You're next. Hopefully. Oh, you got me? Uh, you're talking, so go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, I want to congratulate Winston on his work. Um, I'm following this stuff now, and it seems to be working well. I was just curious, are you actually going to go through with this court case on the 31st, or is this all over with? I got in late. No, no, no. no, What I did, as I mentioned earlier, on that first go-around, like I say, I was trying to plead guilty. And what I said was, told the court on the first arraignment, which was all those silly little uh, IRS misdemeanors, I, I told the judge that I intended to plead guilty just as soon as the prosecutor would read and certify the charges for the record, which I knew he couldn't do. But in any event, uh uh, so that went back and forth. He refused to do it. So we got into another hearing. And again, I told him my intention is to plead guilty. And they all got in a big uproar about it and this and that and the other. And so finally, like I said, you know, I did not put in a plea. It was, it was in fact, the, uh, the judge who was, even though he had not even read the file, uh, if, if he had read the file, he might not have done that. But in any event, uh, he, he's the one to put in the plea, not me. Well, it kind of sounds to me like uh, it was the same thing with the police officer that signed the ticket for you. Uh, the contract. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Along that same thought process, yeah. One, one other thing. Uh, said you stated that you were a welder at one time? Oh, yeah. Okay, I spent about... 30 years as a welder, so I'm kind of looking at you as a, a real guide. Well, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I have found that uh, people that work uh, in, in uh, you know, electricians, carpenters, plumbers, all the kind of things, especially the farmers. Oh, God, when the farmers come around, you have to watch out. But, but those who have uh, uh, worked in the trades and worked in the real world, if I can use that word, uh, they seem to comprehend this information a whole lot quicker than others do, which is not to say you know there's anything wrong with other people. I'm just saying they seem to pick it up so much faster. Well, it it has been my pleasure to be able to talk to you, and I wish you the best. And I think that you're on the right track to help a lot of individuals. One time, yeah, let's see. Just... Go ahead. Probably sooner than later, we're all going to change the frequency on this thing and get away from all of it. Exactly. Yeah, that's coming very quickly. Uh, I, I mean, aside from all this third-dimensional stuff that I involve myself in, I, I also work in the uh, higher dimensions. Uh, you know, I came onto this planet under contract. I'm one of the contractees. I came in in 1948. Uh, and I have worked as, uh, uh, in other circumstances in much, much higher dimensions than this one. So I really don't like being here, to be perfectly honest. 
but in any event, <laughs> I, I contracted for certain things, and I will I will keep my contracts. And so these things that I'm doing is just simply a part of uh, the things I committed to do you know, some time ago. A great job at it, and I hope that you can keep up because I'm right behind you 100%. Oh, great. All right. Appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. Okay, so let's see. We've got um, South Carolina. You're next. First of all, I'd like to say it's an honor to be speaking with you. I've been following your teachings and doing my own due diligence on them, and it's been very helpful in my way. Great. Um, I did have a question for you, though. Um. Let's say if you were to have something like a lien set up on someone and you actually have a court order dismissing all the charges, um, as educational purposes, um, would you think to go the public or private route forward? Well, let, let me discuss that. Are you talking about a commercial lien from the private side? Well, yes, I did a commercial lien on the private side um, because of the property, and they violated my rights with the contract, and the contract was in place. And on top of that contract being in place, I ended up fighting it in court, and the judge dismissed all of the charges in my favor, and the judge knew the lien was in place. All right. Well, that's natural that they would do that. But again, the commercial lien is on the private side, and uh, a public official cannot uh, dismiss that. And so the the commercial lien is still in place. I mean, it yes. does not go away. And it's interesting because um, a copy of the agreement was sent out to the Secretary of State and they sent back a blank UCC-1 financing statement. <laughs> really? Yes, really. Cool. And the number wasn't as close as your numbers are purportedly, <laughs> but uh, it was, it was, it was, it's a, it's a very high number. Well, you know, uh, the, the commercial lien process has been a very, very valuable technique. I did yes, not sir. invent it. Uh, it was, actually, I learned that technique from a man named Harper Van Dyke. And he used it very successfully uh, in many endeavors and so forth. And so, uh, uh, you know, because I'm in the position of being an educator and stuff like that, I'm kind of the guy that made it popular. But again, that's uh, Harper's uh, technology. And I, I simply just uh, spread the information around to facilitate that. But it's, uh, it is very good technology. We've used it very successful, successfully in many instances to resolve problems and so forth. And again, it, it's, it's kind of an extreme thing that we do, uh, but it does have good effect. Oh, yes, sir, it does. And I just wanted to say thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very, very much. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for calling. Okay, so now we go to Oregon. You're next. Your 
Phone unmuted. Go ahead, Oregon. Hi, Tad. Hey, Genevieve. <laughs> Hello, Winston. This is Genevieve. Hello. Um, you said earlier something about May 1st will be the wrap-up date. And yeah. what does that refer to? Uh, I suppose uh, that it has reference to the uh, complete uh, takeover of the uh, by the new government. Uh, maybe just uh, maybe a tad. I can just real quickly rehearse what what has been done and what's being done. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, it goes all the way back to the Civil War. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that we that the whole country has been under military occupation ever since the Civil War. Uh, uh, the, it, the 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 War has been mislabeled. It was not uh, a war uh, between the states. It was a war of the federal government against the states. And so as a result of that uh, uh, thing that went on there, uh, the whole country came under military occupation. And we've operated that way since. Now... Some of you perhaps have listened to Drake Bailey, and uh, Drake uh, had been involved in this for a very long time. Uh, but uh, also myself, uh, probably about seven or eight years ago, one of my uh, high-level CIA uh, uh, sources told me that the U.S. Army had, in fact, created a full-blown interim government, and they were stationed in uh, West Virginia. So, uh, and they were simply there waiting until such a time that it would be necessary for them to step forward. At this point in history, they have stepped forward, and then uh, there was a certain amount of concern uh, that they were worried that the people might think that this is a uh, military coup. But, you know, that's, that's nowhere close to it. It's not a military coup. It's, in fact, a correction. So uh, they went into operation uh, uh, near the start of 2015. And there were certain things that had to happen in order to be recognized as a valid government. Number one, they had to create a national currency. And, but they lacked gold. They didn't have any gold with which they could comply with Basel III. And so there had to be some things done. And so in consequence of that, the Chinese elders along about April of 2015 leased 100 billion in gold to the new republic. And they also gave them 385 billion in cash for operational expenses. Now, these are things that uh, I know about. I was informed of these things uh, by my friends in the international. I said, okay, here's what's happened. All right. Now, now that they had the gold. So they could create a new currency that would be Basel III compliant. They moved forward, and they created uh, what, what is known as Treasury Reserve Notes. 
Now, these these particular instruments are for use at the government level, but they're not on the street. However, they had been trading uh, in the international. Uh, I mean, they they were being traded in Europe all through the summer, and, and Japanese stock markets, forex, and everything. They were trading on them in the fall, so we know it's valid. Uh, so we know it's a good currency. Now, for the for the money on the street, the money that you and I would be using, they have created what's known as United States notes, much like what President Kennedy had created way back in uh, uh, 1963. Some of you have studied, studied that history. You know what I'm talking about. So in any event, uh, those currencies... Uh, will be the currencies that will come out and be used uh, to facilitate uh, the uh, changeover. And, and they are being used. They're already in the banks. Uh, we have been really surprised that they have not uh, instituted those things, already, that they haven't released those funds already. But I see the wisdom in what they're doing. And so when this, when this interim government first entered the picture, it was said that that uh, General Carter Ham would be the uh, interim president, and then they run into certain roadblocks, uh, most of which were centered with uh, the problems in the Pentagon. They overcame those problems, and so at that point, uh, the Marine Corps General Dunford, a central high out there for all you Marines. But in any event, uh, General <laughs> was selected to be the uh, uh, interim uh, president because he was, in fact, he was appointed by Congress to be the Joint Chief. They got rid of Martin Dempsey finally, thank God for that. But in any event, uh, 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 General Dunford then held the role at that point as the uh, interim president. But then they got to thinking, apparently, and so they changed course a bit, and they they went back and referenced what had happened with the Nixon administration. Some of you old enough to remember that. Remember Nixon? Spiro <laughs> Agnew came in oh, as yeah. uh, president and vice president. And then uh, Agnew got convicted or got some felonies thrown at him, so he stepped down. They brought in, uh, oh, the name Nelson Rockefeller. Uh, apparently, Nelson Nelson passed away from unknown causes. <laughs> in any event, uh, so, so what they did to fill uh, the vice presidency was they called in the Speaker of the House, Gerald Ford. Because he's third in line, see, so that when Nixon stepped down, we would have an un, uh, we, would, we would have a unelected president. So we have the precedent for it, and that's why I'm that's why I'm building up to here just to give you a little bit of comprehension about how some of these things have worked. And so anyway, at this juncture. Uh, Dunford has stepped down from being the interim president, and he's going to fill the slot as the vice president. And then guess who's going to be the interim president? The Speaker of the House. 
You see, we have the precedent. Yeah, we have the precedent already in our history, so so that hopefully the people would not think that there's something amiss with what's going on here. And so we have that uh, uh, with us, and uh, so that, that, that's that's the lineup. Now I did watch. I was hoping he would make announcements. He did not make any announcements. But uh, Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House. Uh, did in fact make a speech the other day to a bunch of young people there. And I was hoping he would make announcements. He did not. But what he did do, I watched him. And <laughs> you got to understand the psychology of what's going on here, folks. What he did was he started out his speech, which only lasted, I maybe 15 or 20 minutes. He started out his speech, he'll talk about this or that, and then he reached into his coat pocket. He pulled out a pocket version of the Constitution, just like all the patriots carry around. He pulled out, he pulled out that pocket version of the U.S. Constitution and held it up to the young people to see. He held it up high so they could see what he had in his hand. And then he said, I took an oath to this Constitution. And he said, and I will honor my oath. Now, that was a, <laughs> that was unexpected, to say the least. But in any event, uh, uh, he made that point. And that was an important point to make. And so uh, I can see the psychology of what he was doing there, even though he didn't make any particular announcements about the new republic, he did demonstrate to those young people that, in fact, he was going to honor his oath that he had made to the Constitution. Now, that's a very significant event, very significant. I, I was ever so proud of him to do that. So uh, we do have uh, things uh, uh, changing. We have things on the move and so forth, uh, the results of which will be very beneficial American people. We have a new government. And uh, for those of you who understand uh, the SARA Act 2000, that will, in fact, uh, begin to be executed upon uh, with this new administration. So we have uh, we have great prospects here of things to come. Is the uh, new government that's coming in associated with RUSA? Not, not that I know of. You know, they... Okay. Well, hey, listen, we do have some other people that are waiting. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> All well, right. Wait, wait. There's a follow-up to... The, the reason I asked that question was to get Quickly, to this please. question. So, if things are going to change quite radically, it sounds, um, around May 1st, does that mean that um, the status correction to become American nationals and UCC filings to become secured party creditor are are kind of uh, moot now? Absolutely not. Huh? The, the things we're doing in commercial redemption will stay the same. The only problems that you won't have to deal with is IRS and tax problems. But, but what about corrupt as, judges? They'll be gone. When the, bar oh, yeah. when the Bar Association, which I did, 
when you take down the bar associations, and uh, all the attorneys will either have to renounce their bar oath. You know, they're taking oaths to the bar, which is actually the Temple Bar in the city of London. So, so they will have to either renounce that and become lawyers, but they can't be attorneys anymore. So, uh, with, with those changes on the horizon, we expect to see, you know, very, very good results. Okay, so so keep doing the status correction and the secured party creditor stuff. Yeah, uh, again, those are on the commercial side. Commerce, listen, commerce rules the planet. I don't care what country you're in. Commerce rules the planet, not some not some law from some country and all those kind of things. And so, so all the things that you're learning about uh, in commerce and with commercial redemption, accepted for value and all those kind of things, they stay the same. Uh, even though we have a new currency, the only difference between our new currency and the Federal Reserve notes is that our new currency will not be used at interest. The new currency is is substance back, and a lot of people I don't get all the crazy stuff out here on the internet. The Federal Reserve notes were always backed by uh, gold. They always were. And the only problem that came from the use of the Federal Reserve notes, which was in fact an international currency, the United States was the only country on the planet that did not have its own national currency. And so we were using Federal Reserve notes as our currency, but every time we would use it, there was interest attached to it, which which created what people call the national debt. It's not a national debt, it's a federal debt. And so in consequence of those things, uh, we, we've had this you know, millstone hung around our neck through the use of the Federal Reserve notes. Now the new currency that comes out is going to be exactly the same variety of instruments with the exception that there is no interest attached to the use of it. Does that kind of make sense? Okay, so so right. the treasury will actually have some some money that we're dealing with now. The new treasury is located in Nevada on the Indian reservation. Huh? Okay. Reason well, being that the Indian reservations have free trade zones. Okay. Well, I. Of course, I have more questions, but Tad, I know you're chomping at the bit, so I'll yep. get off. We do. We got a lot of people. I know. All right. Thank, Thank you, you so much, both of you. you Good bet. night. Okay, Pennsylvania, you're next. Pennsylvania, your phone's just unmuted. We can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Yes, 72, when your phone unmutes, it's your turn. Yes, 72, uh, yeah, go West ahead. Virginia? Uh, I said you, go ahead. Oh, okay, yeah. Hey, Winston, how's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. All right, on. Hey, um, all of this uh, UCC and uh, status correction under com- commerce and all that that you've been propounding, I was wondering if you actually knew how it is how it is 
actually based upon the 14th Amendment. And could you run us through the words? Because I've got a nice, neat little write-up here that I did uh, where I can connect the 14th Amendment and uh, person and a corporation and all tie all that together and then tie it to people that call themselves U.S. citizens and U.S. nationals and American nationals, etc. Okay, well, let me start out this explanation with the following. And, and that is uh, one of the reasons why uh, or, or one of the results of uh, what I've, I've done as an educator is to help build self-confidence in people. And, 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 and one, one of the things I keep seeing, you know, is, is so many people, uh, because of the way they've been trained and all those kind of things, uh, actually lack, lack in self-confidence. And in consequence of that, then, you know, they feel uh, threatened. Uh, you know, the, the big government comes in, threatens people, puts them into fear. Mm-hmm. Fear, fear is your worst enemy. Oh yeah. And so, uh, like I like I always tell people, uh, paper does not work. People work. And so we simply use paper as a crutch when we're when we're interacting with the powers that be. And so we, we try to hold them to their system, which many times they don't pay any attention to it, obviously. But in any event, one of the main uh, results of education is that people gain a certain amount of self-confidence in themselves. And you know, If paper is needed to create that crutch, that's okay. But, but when you're healed, then you don't need that crutch anymore. And so, so but one of the goals, that we, certainly as an educator, that I've tried to uh, instill in people is that self-confidence so they can stand on their own. And uh, that's what I hope to be able to accomplish. Yeah, but people love socialism. Americans love being socialists. We love our socialism. We have to have it. That's why nobody wants to get rid of their social security number, which is the identification number used to identify persons. And like it says in the 14th Amendment, Section 1, all persons, person being the key word there, born or naturalized in the United States and subject to, subject to being another key legal term, uh, to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens, another key legal term, citizens of the United States, right? So then they took the word person right there and connected it to citizen. Now, a person is a citizen, right? All right. Well, um, they went and got subject to, well, subject to means liable or subordinate or subservient, inferior, obedient to, governed, or ruled, affected by, right? So now what are they saying there? All persons who are born or naturalized in the United States are ruled 
by the jurisdiction thereof and are, well, uh, subjects, subject to subjects of the United States. The United States has only three definitions, and they're all Congress, Congress, and Congress. Okay? Okay, Okay. so can we maybe uh, get, kind of get quicker to the point here? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, the point is that what you're doing, Winston, is you're telling these people to step out of being U.S. citizens, federal level, and step over to being U.S. nationals or American nationals, which is the, which is the same exact thing, and they're still corporations, and they're still using the Social Security number, and they're still part of the federal government. The federal government is defined as a union of nations. You're not bringing them into the nation. You're leaving them in the federal government, flying on the same shit they've been on this whole time. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, the you are what you say. You are what you say you are. And uh, they try to obligate people because people are not educated. And so myself and yourself uh, and, and all the ones on this call are apparently educated at least to a certain level. And so, so then we try to act on those things and try to encourage people around us to do the same thing. So, yeah, I, I see your point, uh, and you're preaching to the choir here because uh, I think you and I see eye to eye with this uh, pretty much. So. Well, all they really got to do is, all folks really got to do is go look up National Mutual Insurance Company of the District of Columbia versus Tidewater Transfer Company, 337 U.S. 582 93 L. Ed. 1556 uh, from 1948. And it says right there, United States citizens do not equal an Article III um, court, which is the courts of justice, the natural ones that come out of the U.S. Constitution. All U.S. citizens are governed under Article I courts created by Congress, which is the illegal um, de facto government. It's not the de jure that we're supposed to be under. And yes, Winston, I'm speaking to you on your level because I'm your equal. I'm not your subordinate. I'm not one of your students. I started about a year before you did, and I know as much as you do. I started with GPG. I do corporate. I understand commercial law, but I also understand correction of status. And you're wanting these people to stay at federal level when they need to start claiming their nationalities at state level, not at federal, at state. Because according to, oh my God, according to, according to the United States Government Printing Office Style Manual, subsection uh, 5.23, in designating the natives of the states, the following forms will be used. And it's speaking directly of nationalities. And it lists all the states right there. Okay, those are nationalities. Federal is not a nation. Federal is federal. It's a federation, like the Confederation. All right, well, let's, let's let them respond. So, Winston, you have anything you want to say about that? Well, yeah. Uh, we, we did have the problem uh, after the Civil War that certainly in 1933 when the money changed over, uh, it caused real problems. Uh, on the basis that it was impossible from that point on to contract, unless you use gold or silver, 
and so with, with the change in money, uh, we had the change in administration, we had the change in government and so forth. And you're right. I mean, I, I'm not disputing at all what you're saying here. And I, I do understand, uh, certainly, about the uh, state's rights. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, my, my grandfather fought in that war on the side of the South for state's rights, so I understand very much what you're saying here. So the question is, is how do we go about restoring the state's rights? And the only way that we can do that, certainly, is to get rid of the uh, the federal government. And that's what's exactly what's happening here with the uh, institution of the uh, of this new interim uh, situation here. And so we, we've got our eyes fixed upon that. Uh, the purpose, of, certainly, the purpose, one of the purposes of this whole operation right here is to get back to constitutional government. So that's what that's what the uh, effort has and is being done right now. And so when that happens, then if we can successfully negotiate all that, then we'll have to, we'll go back to states' rights. And uh, so I, I'm, you know, I'm with you on it. I mean, I've got absolutely nothing uh, against what you said. Well, okay, so well, we do have some other people that are waiting, so I have to kind of cut this short. Okay. Well, Winston, I'm glad that you're you and I can see eye to eye on some things, but factually, there is a route out, and it is to drop the U.S. citizen federal all all those contracts, all those contracts. They are commercial. You need to get rid of them. You need to rescind them. Tell the U.S. government to keep their stuff, you know? Actually, you need to revoke them, not rescind them. But, but well, re in. revoke and rescind, yeah. Well, it all I guess it all comes down to which specific definition yeah, yeah. you're wanting to use. Yeah. All right, well, hey, thank you very much for calling in. Thank you, and have a good you night. Bet. Major Thrash, you're next. Well, with that, and, don't, and don't be thrashing on Winston either. I'll try not to. Um, <laughs> if it sounds like the federal government is... Hey, wait a minute. Wait, hey, are you on a speakerphone? I'm on Skype. Okay. We'll get close to the microphone because we're having a hard time hearing you. All right. Well, if the federal government is going to be, sounds like, giving up some power... um. What I'd like to know, Winston, your opinion, is what's going on with the Southwest states, particularly like the Guadalupe states? Are we gonna? Is there a possibility of us possibly losing some of those Southwest Southwestern states? Why? Why would we lose them? Well, I was just wondering. I heard there was that that treaty. There might have been some flaws in that, and with the federal government possibly giving up some of their powers, would there be a possibility of the state saying, hey, you know, we're stepping out and we got okay. an opportunity? Well, yeah. Well, let me answer that from the following. And that is, uh, if you go back to the very uh, start and, and, and you notice the intervention that was accomplished by St. Germain, St. Germain, uh, was the individual that uh, caused the people at the at the signing the Declaration of Independence? He, he ordered them to go forward and sign that. 
Now, there is uh, a term which is incorrectly used, by the way, but there is a term which is known as, the people call it manifest destiny, but that's not the right word. Uh, you, you would have to go uh, scriptural to uh, actually put a good definition on this. But in any event, uh, the United States does have uh, a mandate uh, on this planet. And so uh, in, in regards to your question, would we lose uh, any of these sta states because of the Treaty of Guadalupe and Dogon and all that kind of thing? No. No, all, there will still be 50 states. Now, that's a significant number, and I, I would have to go with a lot of background to explain why that is. But to answer your question, no, we're not going to lose any. Uh, they'll all be included, and they always will be. Okay, well, then how about um, what's your opinion on this North American Union? Well, is that going to be continuing forward? Are they going to be pushing for that, or is that now kind of done? That's now done. Okay. That's it. That's all I had. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Um, Central Minnesota, you're next. Your phone unmute. It's your turn. In Minnesota, your phone unmuted. It's your turn. Yes. How you doing? Yes. Go ahead. So I had a, a question for you. I, I keep hearing you use um, the scriptures. Um, and I also have heard you uh, speak about how um, D.C. has unincorporated themselves. Is that correct? That, that, yeah, it was in the newspaper back east. I saw, I, mean, I saw the newspaper. That, that's the only announcement okay. that I ever saw of it. Right. So is there any suggestions that you would have for us to kind of protect ourselves in commerce as we operate on a daily basis, you know you hear people talking about rescinding the social security number. Is there any protection for a body of people utilizing, you know, unincorporated entities and things of that nature? What are well, your thoughts? Okay, the the purpose of the new of this new government is a rollback to constitutional government. Now, what does that mean? I mean, if we're talking about a rollback to pre a Civil War federal takeover of the country. What what does that mean? And so so think about that. And I, I think that, you know there's uh, a lot more that could be said about it certainly. But in any event, uh, you know, I don't believe that you're going to be in any kind of danger anyway. I mean we're we're going into a rollback on the on the problem. And so uh, when we get the restoration of the new. Uh, government, if you want to call it that, it's actually not the new government, it's the old government that have been restored. And so I, I don't think you're going to run into any kind of problems, you know, uh, in, in that concept. Well, should, shouldn't the goal be for us as individuals to get out of the corporate status? And it sounds like you're saying get back to the laws of nature and what governs um, us in the natural in our natural state, so we should be, in a sense, trying to get back to divine law on a, on a daily basis. Correct. 
Yeah, I believe that would be the best avenue for people to take. Again, like you know, I, I don't want to be accused uh, of preaching here, but if you go back into the uh, King James Version, it, it seems uh, fairly accurate in many respects, and in as much as the lawyers and so forth came to, to Jesus and asked him about the law and all that kind of stuff, what did he say? He says there's only two laws. And that is to respect or love God, your creator. He said, number two, was to love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, all the law and the prophets hang on those two things. Now, if that's the case, if, if all the law and the prophets hang on those two things, then, then that's the law. That is the law. And so if, if, we're, if we are practicing uh, the, what's called the golden rule, if we're practicing the golden rule, then we are in conformity to how our Creator would like for us to perform. And so, so again, you know, without you know preaching, and sometimes people accuse me of that, but uh, it's what we have. It's what we have to work with. And so, uh, uh, all these other things, uh, uh, Constitution, laws, statutes at large, and all the other countries have all their laws and precedences and all these kind of things. If they conform with those two things that Jesus indicated, then that's a good law. If it does not conform to those two things, then it is a bad law and needs to be removed. So, so if you kind of... Uh, you know, set your attention uh, onto that particular thought process there, I think you'd be okay. Perfect. I agree, and thank you, Ayu. All right. Thank you very much, sir. Okay, we have our last caller of the evening, our last uh, question of the evening. And after this, you guys uh, uh, stick around. I have a little announcement to make. And uh, so this is important stuff, and I'm glad Winston's here to... Tell us what he's telling us, because we got something that's going to be in line with what he's saying. Um, Central Iowa, when your phone on mute, it's your turn. Hi, this is John. Um, hey John. Yeah, just uh, real quick, I had a mortgage problem back in 2013. I was going through, I decided to go through Creditors and Commerce. Uh, they had me a couple bonds, very large amounts, um, and then they didn't work, but what ended up happening is I had the IRS come at me from left field, just out of nowhere. I didn't even know if they were related or not, but they came at me out of nowhere. So anyways, I ended up getting involved with a couple guys, uh, Daniel and Josh uh, from securedpartycreditors.com, and uh, they set me up. They told me what happened was the IRS basically was jealous, <laughs> in, in a sense, of uh, the bonds, the large bonds that, that were submitted. And um, they set me up with a fee off the process. Now, it worked. And the not only that, my mortgage got offset. But I was wondering if you were familiar with that and you had considered it. I'm not sure if it even applies to your situation or not. But a fee off process, have you considered that or is that something that's not applicable to to your situation. Well, I'd have to look at it and see what it is. I'm not familiar with what they're doing, so you know, I really can't comment on that. Okay. Are you familiar with Daniel and Josh at all? Over there, uh, third party creditors? Uh, do you have their last names? 
uh, Daniel Stevens? I know no, he says no. he thinks they're familiar with you. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably they're familiar with me. Uh, listen, I don't know everything, and, and certainly I'm not the I'm not a guru. And if, if other people have processes and so forth that they can make them work, I'm all for it. And so yeah, it was, uh, again, it was I, I'm not really. Huh? I said, well, it, it worked. It was interesting. Sorry to interrupt. Great, great, great. Hey, if it works, it, my 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 statement is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It sounds like they got something there that works pretty good. So, uh, I think yeah. Well, I guess my main question is, do you think the IRS got jealous over something you did, being that uh, maybe you submitted large amounts and they kind of kind of wanted their share? Do you think that could have could well, be something you that happened? Ask, you have to go ask <laughs> the IRS. I don't know how them people think. Okay. All right. Well, thank All you right. so much. Thank you. Bye. All right. So you guys. In line with what Winston's saying and with that last caller, um, we have our own um, secure party creditor and status correction coach at youhavetheright.com. And coming up really soon, keep an eye out for youhavetheright.com because we're going to be holding another uh, course here on proper UCC filings on how to be a creditor and to take care of certain issues such as taxes and courts situations. So uh, you guys, be sure to check that out. Winston, I was almost ready to go, but somebody from East Maryland raised their hand. Can you take one more question? Sure, let's do this. All right, go ahead, Marilyn. Oh, that's not good. Yes, I wanted to. Go. Yeah, I wanted to ask a question about uh, a mortgage. Um, uh, if I had the numbers correct, twelve USC nineteen zero one point five zero eight. It talks about the. Uh, uh, it talks about a note being uh, discharged. Well, a note being uh, passed over to the. Uh, Federal Reserve Board for cancellation, um, that note being a mortgage note. And uh, in reference to, I think, 28 U.S.C. or CFR, well, I'm sorry, the first one is uh, CFR, 7 CFR, 1901.508, and the other one is 28 U.S.C. 411. Um they take the notes and they homogenize them, or they they uh, change them into securities and sell them on the market. Um, that is that illegal? Uh, okay. Are, are you asking is it illegal or are you asking is it unlawful? Uh, unlawful. Yeah, it's unlawful. Uh, is no. it illegal? The answer is probably not. Uh, first off, you have to understand that the United States Code was written by attorneys uh, for their for their benefit, and so when you start to talk about uh, you know how how they do things and how they handle stuff, uh, it uh, again uh, the whole process was uh, created by attorneys, and you know you you should know how that works out. So 
uh, in regards to a lot of the situations that you run into with some of these uh, difficulties and so forth. So the question is always, you know, will they abide by their own statutes and codes? And they very seldom ever do anyway. So we're always faced with that same difficulty when we deal with these people in as much as they simply don't even abide by their own statutes and codes, much to our detriment. So uh, if you can force them to abide by their own codes and so forth, you, you probably have some success with that. Uh, if you can't, uh, you know, get them to abide by their own rules and regulations and so forth, you're simply up against the wall. So uh, uh, in that regard, just, uh, you know, keep plugging along at it. Like I say, you know, in regards to these mortgages, you know, uh, you need to go and listen to a lady. Uh, that I think some of you probably have a lady called Ka Catherine Austin Fitz. Or, or in she talked about the money being siphoned off uh, from the mortgage foreclosures by the uh, secret space, uh, the black ops with the uh, secret space people. And uh, mm -hmm. they do they do that, and they have done it, and the, much to the detriment of certainly of the people here in the country. But but in any event, uh, you know, go and listen to what she has to say because uh, perhaps it will explain many things that have heretofore have been unexplainable. Because Could it, you, you know, when we started fighting all these mortgages and stuff, and took them into the court, even though we had, even though we had it uh, locked in, according to their statutes and codes, uniform, the uh, U.S. code and everything. So, surprise, surprise! You know the <laughs> the uh, judges would simply rule against us. We kept scratching their head, wondering why that is. Well, the reason why it is is again because they don't even abide their own statutes and codes, and 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 then in the background. The, the money from the mortgage foreclosures and so forth was being siphoned off by the black off people who were running these secret space uh, programs. Could so, you spell the, what? Huh? Could you, could you spell the last name of the lady again? Yeah, her uh, name is Catherine Austin Fitz. F I E T S. And her position had been she was uh, one of the uh, assistant directors, I think, of HUD in the F, uh, FHA and so forth, she, when she started to try to audit uh, the uh, uh, the agency and stuff, she came upon all kinds of things that really caused great alarm. And she went to investigate where the money actually had gone to, and she found out. So, so it's not just uh, being able to go into court and properly speak your piece. <laughs> what are you going to do against the... Uh, uh, these operators of the uh, uh, secret space program. This is crazy stuff, folks. This <laughs> is really crazy stuff. And so you know we've come up we've come up against a lot of this, and uh, you know some of it didn't work out good. And so we we just have to keep plugging along as best we can. In the instance of this one gentleman that spoke a moment ago, where they did that certain operation with uh, the creditors and comments, creditors uh, and commerce, or whatever it was, it seemed to work. Would it work the next time? We don't know, because the, the whole thing is so capricious that you can't predict from one day to the next how things are going to turn out. I mean, this is crazy stuff we've, we've been dealing with here. 
So, you know, just just a word to the wise. But, you know, there's 50 ways to skin a cat, and uh, and sometimes the problem is holding that cat down so you can get it skinned. And huh. I think some of you probably have run, have run into that problem. Uh, you, you go to court, for instance, you've done everything right, your paperwork is all correct, you know, and you say, I got it locked down now. And the first thing you know, the judge says, nope. And there you are. You're right back to the same problem again. And so will the will the courts abide by their own rules and regulations? That's the question. And in far too many instances, they simply will not. And so then Catherine uh, found out why it was that they would not. Because the, the, a lot of money was being simply siphoned off by, by the uh, uh, secret, uh, whatever you call it, uh, space program. So we got all this crazy stuff going on, and there's a lot of things in the background that absolutely make no sense to us. Uh, you know, when we go and try to, uh, you know, fix some of these problems and whatnot, and so uh, it's unpredictable how things are going to work out. So it would be uh, certainly uh, important, you know, for people that are trying to work some of these mortgages and some of these other things out, is to have one or two backup plans. Because you don't know what these dirty buggers are going to do. It's totally unpredictable. Well, Winston, uh, will that black ops program disappear in in, in May? Uh, well, I mean, let me put it another way: Will the the uh, criminal element in that? Uh, I don't want to say, I, I for lack of a better term, the criminal element, meaning the uh, non-disclosure of it. Um, the oversight of it, will that change? Because there is really no oversight except for that group that's uh, selected to know, even know about it. Uh, I, I would probably say that no, it will not disappear but for this for this reason. Uh, it is that we actually need that program. Uh, okay. I, mean, I would have well, to go into, into space to explain this to you uh, Tad, if you got a few minutes, I will explain it. Well, well, Winston, what, let me clarify it. I I know it yeah. won't disappear because it exists well, and it's real. But I mean the. I, I think the, what it, let, allow me to clarify. I think what he's saying is yes, the program's still going to be there, but it's going to be controlled by the good guys and not the bad guys. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, that's. Okay. What, yeah, right. Okay. 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 So based on that, Winston, was there something more that you wanted to say about that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, go yeah, for it. I've done a great deal of study about this. Uh, some of you may perhaps have listened to a, an individual on the Internet called Captain K. Uh, that's actually uh, uh, that's Randy Austin's name. Anyway, I, I've come to have an opportunity to visit with Randy. Uh, Randy Kramer is his, is his real name. Anyway, uh, he explains a lot of things to me about the uh, space program and why it's necessary. Now, do you have to divide it down between the good guys and the bad guys? Because there are some criminal elements involved in that. For instance, the Dick Cheney, uh, the international corporation that's uh, mining on Mars is actually uh, Dick Cheney's the corporation. And then you have the uh, U.S. Marine Corps Special Section that was actually uh, put in place to guard the interests of that mining corporation, and that's who Randy was working for. 
uh, when he was on Mars. And so, uh, you know, in regards to the question, will that go away, I would have to suppose not. Uh, on, on the basis that we actually need a space program, but we do not need the space program in the hands of those, uh, you know, like like uh, Cheney and, and uh, all that bunch. So, uh, uh, I, I would suspect probably that more of these things will be revealed. There's uh, a lot going on. I mean, if you really want to, uh, to get into this and start, you know, looking at it pretty closely, I think I would go back and start with uh, uh, the information that was put out by uh, 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 Dr. Frank Stranges, where he talked about the visitors in the Pentagon, stranger in the Pentagon, uh, on the basis that we have had intervention on the planet all along. Uh, you know, Human beings on this planet are, are transplants. <laughs> we, you know, we've we've been here under certain circumstances and so forth uh, uh, all along. And so, so when you start to talk about, you know, you know, can we do this or that? You know, you just have to realize that entities or just call them people because they're people. They're, they're our space cousins and so forth. Uh, they do have a vested interest in the outcome of things that transpire here on the planet, and, and they do intervene, and, and they they go to work, they do this, they do that to, to make things right. We we have a uh, watch, just watch. Let me put it that way: just watch what goes on, because there there are some major, 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 major events which will happen and are happening. Even as I speak, uh, for instance, uh, NASA uh, was about I don't know about three months ago. Uh, there were some energies that came into the planet that nobody knew where they came from. That, that kind of energy had never been on this planet ever before, according to the people, you know, that know those kind of things. And so they were trying to figure out what it was all about until about a month ago or so. NASA, you know, the, the U.S. Uh, space uh, program, located out in the universe there somewhere, a huge black hole, and they didn't know what it was or what the circumstance was, was going to be with it. But lo and behold, a huge, a huge ship came through that black hole headed for our solar system. And then checking with... Uh, uh, well, for instance, you know, I put this in front of James Gilliland. I said, do you know what that is? He said, well, he said it appears to be a 11th dimension ship. And the entities that are on that ship are 11th dimension entities. And, and James didn't know why they were coming. Now, I have speculated on why I think they're coming. And I might be dead wrong. I might be dead wrong, but in any event, uh, we we have these things uh, going on uh, basically all the time around us. And so we're just trying to figure out how does that equate to events here on the planet. But 2016 is a significant year for the planet. The planet is actually uh, 
coming up in frequency, of the uh, which is measurable, and they do measure that. The ultimate destiny of planet Earth is to be a a seventh dimension planet, uh, and and in consequence of that, you know the the people, you and I. We have to accommodate that change, and if we don't accommodate that change, then the consequences to us individually will be very significant. So, so aside from all this crazy commerce stuff, you know, and money and all these things, you know, that we've been working with to try to get some kind of sanity about us with the things that go on on the planet and so forth. Uh, the planet has an ultimate destiny, and we need to go along with it. Uh, the consequences being that if we do not, then we'll no longer be. Uh, it, 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 put it this way: if you can't accommodate the frequency of the planet as it changes, you can no longer be here. Now that's that's pretty that's pretty heavy stuff, and I realize that it, it is kind of heavy. Doesn't think about the consequences that might come to us in the event that, that we don't move up in our frequency. So, uh, aside from all this talk about uh, commercial redemption and, and UCC filings and all that kind of stuff, uh, the main uh, result, now let me say this as an educator, the main result that I have seen through my efforts in this regard is to is to promote people to a higher spiritual dimension. And have we accomplished that? And the answer is yes. When I started when I first started out in two thousand and four at Solutions and Commerce, I mean down to our present time, and I you know, I've been at this over eleven years now. But I have seen the change in the receptability of people to the information. And it has been a good change. And so so we have uh, uh we have all these things going on and uh and you know I am very much encouraged. I am very, very much encouraged by the progress that we we the people are making uh in this respect and uh, I believe, I believe that we have, that we will accomplish what it was that we came onto this planet to accomplish and those that, that are not, uh, those that do not keep up with the proper frequencies and change their life. They don't change their life. Uh, <laughs> they'll simply be removed from the planet. Now, that, that's kind of a hard thing to have to say, but I believe that that is exactly the circumstance you know, that, that we're having to deal with. So okay, so... Be, be, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Uh, well... Accept your frequencies. On that note, somebody's not encouraged. Would you be willing to respond to a negative comment? I'll respond to any comment. <laughs> There is another lie. There is no mining on Mars. Just wait till May and either nothing happens or nothing good happens 
and y'all realize that Shrout is a liar. Let me guess. Here we go with a repeat of the Drake Bailey lies. Aliens will be taking everyone to their planet for safety in two weeks. Uh, I don't know what Drake had to say, but it's very evident to me that, that the events that are transpiring on the planet are being orchestrated by people who are beyond the planet. When people ask me, Winston, you know, who is it that you're doing all this for? And I, I come right back with it. You know, St. Germain is my boss, and I do his bidding. And one of the first things that, that people have to understand about this commercial redemption, the first thing that I saw when I first started studying commercial redemption was is, is you have to understand it from a metaphysical point of view. And if you can't comprehend it from a metaphysical point of view, you're simply not going to get it. Okay. So I, I have tried to emphasize that particular the situation over and over again, uh, you know, with some good results and some not so good results. But you, you, you simply, you have to go spiritual. We are in a spiritual uh, awakening, and, and, and certainly the efforts we've made uh, to uh, educate and all those kind of things are so very essential to that awakening because here's the thing. We have been under serious mind control. I don't think anybody would disagree with me on that. We have been under serious mind control. And so how do you break that? How do you break that down so that you can get out of that uh, cycle? And all, all it takes and what I have seen, uh, you know, in, in the things that I've done, is, is that if I can give people one new way to look at a situation, then, then, then they can start to break through that mind control cycle that they've been trapped in. And, and so, uh, like I say, once we get past the 100th monkey, once we get into uh, infusing into the collective consciousness, uh, the principles, not the details, but the principles of commercial redemption and so forth, it goes a long way to, to helping people uh, well, I've break got the another, mind control. Another question on the board. Somebody wants to have St. Germain's phone number and email address? Okay, go for it. <laughs> I think they're asking you. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I work with Jermaine in the ether. We make uh, plans about what needs to be done, and because I'm in the third dimension, then I, I'm the guy that has to go and carry it out. I think somebody's asking, um, who is St. Jermaine? Well, we don't have time for all that. Okay. But he's, he's, uh, one of the ascend, he's one of the ascended masters who has a great deal of concern about the outcome of things here on this planet, and he is, in fact, the individual in, in our in our history that they call him the old professor, and he's the one that demanded that those gentlemen there at the Declaration of Independence Hall step forward and sign that document. So he's always had a concern. He's always been involved in uh, in our situation here. So well, that's who, it, that's who it is. You talked about the hundredth monkey. I did some research on that project, and it was touted as being 
monkeys that learned to do something one way on an island and then somehow it got transferred over to the other island where the other monkeys started doing it too. And that's uh, the research I've done shows that that is false. That, is not, that was not the way that the study uh, turned out. It depends on which archaeologist you talk to. Okay. <laughs> Enough said. Enough said. Okay. Uh, you know what? We do have one other person that's waiting, but you know what? We've been on for almost two hours. Yeah, well, yeah we probably ought to knock it off. But uh, again, okay. people should be encouraged of the changes that are coming about. We have a new government, we have a new country, we have a new prospect, we have new opportunities. And and the efforts that have been made by everyone to accomplish this have not gone unnoticed. So everybody needs to be proud of the effort that they have made to get this thing set straight, and I applaud everyone who has had a hand in that, who have stepped forward, uh, in whatever you know, whatever degree of effort and so forth that you've been able to accomplish, my my hat goes off to you because of what you have done. Well, thank you on behalf of everybody that's okay. muted. <laughs> Appreciate that. So, um, Winston, thank you very much for being on here tonight. And I just want to give one final reminder. This call is being put on by youhavetheright.com. Please go check it out. Um, uh, keep an eye out for some of our status correction tools and training that will help with this uh, changeover. So, uh, Winston, thank you very much. And hopefully we'll have you back on again at some point. Okay, great. All right, everybody, thank you for joining, and good night. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.